brand over coffee conversations are with different experts and inspiring individuals. They may be different in what they do, but they all share one thing in common. They all create, develop, and nurture brands. These conversations will highlight not only their expertise, but also their experiences. And I hope these could help answer some of your questions and inspire you to build your own brands and take your businesses to greater heights. My name is Andrea Ferri, founder of the Creative Brand Studio and your host for this podcast. When you're ready, let's talk brand over coffee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brand Over Coffee Conversations. It is said that small and medium-sized businesses are the backbone of a country and what usually fuels its economy. Hence, the importance of making sure that these businesses are fit and robust to withstand the test of time. In today's episode, my guest and I will be talking about the importance and what it takes for an SME to sustain its business long-term. Joining me is Gilbert Quaring. Gilbert is currently based in Australia, working at UAP Company as its Head of Marketing and Communications. Prior to this role, he was an executive in some of the biggest global advertising agencies, including Ogilvy, J. Walter Thompson, Mullen Lowe Group, and Saatchi and & Saatchi. Hi, Gilbert. How are you? Thank you for taking the time out Hi, of Hi, Andrea. Yes, thank you again. Yeah, so I have shared your current role at UAP Company. It would be great if you could share more about the company and what you do. First of all, thanks for inviting me. Um, I think the topic and the theme of your podcast is very timely because similar to Germany, like you said, in Queensland, where we are in Brisbane, 96% 96% of businesses are also SMEs. So I think it's very strong. We're in, we need to have these type of events. So thanks, thanks for doing this. So UAP is a global company. Um, what we do is we work with artists, architects, designers, and developers to create public art. So most of our projects are really interventions in the public space. We've done work in Asia, China, and in the U.S. Yes, we are in the, we're, we're an SME, we're in the medium-sized business. We're like 200 strong um, person across Shanghai, Brisbane, and New York. So yeah, that's in a nutshell, that's UAP. Amazing. So when we caught up Last week, I was amazed to learn all the great things that you have been doing since our Singapore days. And I love the fact that you have become so passionate about pushing for the growth of SMEs because I also have the same, maybe you can say, mission or purpose. But what inspired you, Gilbert? For so long, you have been working in multinationals. What triggered the change? Was there a particular aha moment? Um, I, I, that's a good question because... Um, for the longest time, I think for the past 20 years, we've been exposed to the big businesses, um, multinationals, both in the agency side and the client side. And when I moved to Brisbane from Shanghai, it was clear to me that the businesses here are small and medium-sized businesses. So it's either I adapt and pivot my current understanding of our businesses are, or I'll not be able to really um, find an opportunity here in Queensland. So I think what I did was really the former where I tried to adapt and then just look at the opportunity at hand. And it's actually pretty interesting because I think 
marketing and comms in, in small and medium-sized businesses are pretty good. Like, I think there's a lot of like untapped strategies, which is, which is very exciting, um, especially for our business, which is more on the manufacturing side of art and design. Yeah, I also have to agree, like here in Germany, like you, when I moved, I was also faced with, okay, if I go back to, you know, the big multinational type of work, yes, it would be a very good idea. But at the same time, I was also kind of like itching to to get my hands dirty and see how it is as well with SMEs because they're really a totally, they're in a totally different world, huh? The challenges, the structure, how they work, it's very different from, say, multinationals. But also the opportunities, if you really get to work with them, it's also very interesting. I think I just want to add to that. Like, I remember when I first moved in Brisbane and then trying to look for jobs, you can't really rely on the big companies that you know, because they're not really either A, they're not present here, or B, they're in a different scale. So then you you really enter in a world that's so new so yeah. it's it's pretty it's 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 shocking at the same but it's the same time you get to learn more how this is small what's the what's the triggers of small and medium-sized businesses what's how what's the communication is like so it, it's just really interesting yeah. Given your work with SMEs in Australia, you have shared with me that your focus is also on sustainability. Maybe to begin, if you can share with us what, what sustainability is and why is it important for a business? Yeah, that's a very good question. And um, I think part of the reason why all of a sudden I got passionate about sustainability is because um, when, I, when I did my MBA here in Australia, all of us, um, my first subject was sustainability and systems thinking. And it was really such a shocker when my professor said that most of our business strategies from before are all didn't consider sustainability. And then you think about it, us as marketeers, we were basically one of the reason why we had so much consumption, so mm-hmm. much um, products out there. So I kind of felt that um, it's every marketeers to solve this issue. And because sustainability wasn't part of any marketing and comp strategy. So that's one thing that I want to change. And there's a lot of academics who's trying to do that. We're in, we need to create a marketing and comm strategy or even a business strategy with sustainability at its core. So from there, it becomes that. And um, sustainability is not just the environment. I think the thing about sustainability, when you really define it, is you have the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. It goes from community engagement to poverty to water to um, gender equality. So there's a lot of it. So I think that's one thing that people needs to understand that sustainability is not just the environment. And that's when it becomes so much important that you create something which is latched on the teachings of sustainability. It's actually very interesting that you pointed that out because, yes, for a lot of people, when you say sustainability, they equate it right away to the environment. When you have still social, economic, uh, sustainability programs that you can pursue, right? 
And I think like we are seeing really like rapid changes in consumer behavior. And especially with the pandemic, we see changes in what, where, how, and why people consume. You know, consumers are also very demanding, I think, now and more critical um, when it comes to what they expect from businesses, from companies. So it's also not just from the big companies that they're expecting, but they're also expecting it from their local companies. And we see more and more of that. And they're really looking for, let's say, brands with you know, a story, an angle, you know, products that reflect who they are, purpose, values. And I think smaller businesses with a sustainable story would definitely make it more attractive, right? So because I think for consumers now, when they support an SME with a sustainable story, it kind of like makes them feel good. We have seen it with the success of Tom's, of Patagonia. So I think that's really something that is is here to stay. Yeah, and I agree. And and I think when we back in our marketing and advertising days, the buzzword then was purpose, right? Like uh-huh. what is your purpose? And it was really beautiful words. So I think the the thing with sustainability is what we what we're hoping to do is we change purpose into words to purpose in action. It's like really trying to make sure that whatever you've articulated, the beautiful words that you crafted and beautiful brainstorming session make sure you activate it and you and you really bring it to life and i think that's the the thing about um sustainability it's all about the actions that you are going to take it's not just beautiful words on a paper so i think that's really something that is exciting to see yeah absolutely agree and you have really people i think now they're they're just more critical. They really see if it's a one big BS. They see if it's really an authentic action from the companies. And absolutely, as what you said, you know, from ads to acts, so to speak. Don't romanticize me with words. Show me that you're actually really acting on what you're saying as a brand or as a company. What about yeah. challenges, Gilbert? Uh, as an SME, say, starting to work on sustainability, what are some of the challenges that perhaps they could they mm-hmm. could face? Like similar to UAP, the challenge that we're facing is there's there's a fear um, with the word sustainability because we need to accept that all of our business processes in the past are all wrong, right? So the moment you start with the assumption that your business processes are wrong, it means that you have so much thing to do. And I think that is one of the biggest challenges. It's how do we create sustainability activities or tactics that will create small wins every year? It's not about this is not about the big win that you're going to create. It's it's going to be the small wins that over time will be changed throughout the process. I think that is one of the key things. And the second one is um, part of our sustainability strategy at, at UAP is the most important one is well, we need to talk the same talk. So it's all about making sure that everyone understands the same meaning of, uh, if I say integrated reporting, everybody knows that. If I say gender equality or gender equity, everybody understands that meaning. I think that is the common problem with sustainability when um, there's people who interpret different phrases um, differently. and I think that is, uh, and it's a good thing because it's a comms job, really. So it's all about making sure that you have the same understanding. So when you talk the same talk, you can walk the same walk. So I think that's that's really about it. 
Yeah, I, I really like that because a lot of companies I see as well, they're very aggressive with external communication. This is what we do as a company, but internally, they're not really able to align themselves from the stakeholders to the employees to everyone in the company. And I like that in your company, you are able to really make sure everyone is on the same page and make sure that everyone is walking towards the same direction. And we've seen it in, there's a lot of like companies who um, would talk about sustainability or would talk about equality and, and diversity. And, but when you look at deep inside the company, they're basically just greenwashing the, the situation and it, it backfires. So I think what's the most important, like what you said, it's about making sure before you come up with an external message or uh, a media statement, just keep it to yourself. I think it's all about making sure that everything, the foundation is correct. So don't be too excited with um, announcing. But, but, but again, it's all about the statement also is actually good because it gives you a way to action things, but make sure that you don't overclaim. I think that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, for a lot of these smaller businesses, uh, we also see the importance of really having a strong competitive advantage, right? Uh, usually for these smaller businesses, they really try to make sure to bring, say, their costs down, you know, so that they would be able to compete. I know this because I'm also nurturing a community of small businesses in the Philippines. So for a lot of them, they would equate, quote unquote, sustainability into an expense. Mm. Why would I spend so much money when I would be able to uh, get cheaper labor, cheaper materials? Mm. They may not be sustainable, but they are what assure me to be able to have a successful business currently. Yeah. You know, the mindset of not really having like a long-term vision, mm. but it's like, okay, I need to sell now. And if that means that I have to bring down my costs by having cheaper labor or using cheaper materials, which are not sustainable, then I would do that. You're, you're absolutely correct. Because, again, we were trained in business school or in marketing school that profit is so much important than financial strength of a business, right? So, But, but in the world of sustainability, you need to have a strong financial um, um, structure. So it's not about the profit that you gain year in year, right? Uh-huh. Um, it's about how strong is your financial capital. And in in a world of sustainability, we're also looking at um, business performance outside the financial um, capital. So we look at human capital. We look at our social and relationship, our, our impact to the community. I think that's the beauty of going to a sustainable business with real sustainability goals in mind because in the 21st century we need 21st century business measurement the the measuring a business that is just about dollars and cents is so 1900s right it's that's so passe we need to change now um, how we start measuring business business success and business performance. Uh, and that's with the integrated reporting, which is unfortunately is not yet mandated by countries, but we are seeing a lot of um, good companies like Patagonia, you mentioned. There are some um, organizations who are starting to do that because I think that's when you will be able to really see the impact of the business outside just business performance. I love it. 21st century measures 
for a 21st yes. century businesses. I love it. Love it. Um, and I guess, you know, now that we see, we've, we've spoken about it earlier, we see consumers really evolving and they're demanding more from businesses, you know, whether it's having ecologically friendly processes, materials, fair trade, you know, equality in the workplace. Then at some point, businesses that heed to these calls will be the ones left in the playing field, right? So. Yeah. It's yeah. also that's also very important. Um, so aside from sustainability, Gilbert, what about branding? How important is good branding for SMEs? What do you think? For me, the way I treat, uh, and I'm sure like you, um, branding has evolved over the years. Also, like from your typical color palette, mood and tone, um, the logo. I think more and more. Branding is, um, yes, there is a physical element to it, a creative one, but ultimately in the world of sustainability and in the in the 21st century, it's all about what is the community that your com- organization is building. So I think it's all about, it's all about that. So Nike, um, I always use this example to my team, um, they, they stop selling shoes, right? So in, in their communication, it's no longer about selling shoes, but it's all about celebrating the athletes inside one of us, right? So so that's the community that they're building. They're com- um, and then most recently, they're uh, building a community who stand for equality, diversity, and inclusion. So they're starting to evolve those communities. So I think ultimately whether you're a big business or an SME, that's one thing that you need to think about. What's uh, outside the logo, um, outside the tagline, outside the color palette, what is the community of clients or supporters that you're building? What, What do they believe? What is the ethos and the values that they have? If you articulate that, then that is branding. That is really the branding for the 21st century. You're absolutely correct. I mean, how businesses operated in the past, it's all about what type of products or services you sell. Right now, I mean, a very, very good example, that's Nike. You know, when you go to a shop and you buy Nike shoes or Nike, I don't know, a sports bra, it it feels like you're buying more than just the product that you're holding. The company has gone beyond selling only its products. It's really the purpose of Nike, which is to inspire greatness in all of us, right? So I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, if you just stick to the traditional way of, you know, how you advertise, what you sell, how you sell, then I guess you won't really be able to thrive in the 21st century as what you have been talking about because, yeah, everything has been changing now and gone are the traditional ways of doing things, so to speak, right? Or or our traditional mindset of what branding is. Yeah. But what about for SMEs? Do you have any good example of SMEs doing it right when it comes to branding? There's one. Okay, you mentioned Tom's. Tom is a good one. I wanted to um, give an example wherein it's a social enterprise. So, so there's a brand here of tissue rolls called Who Gives a Crap? It's such a influential brand here in Australia. And I think overseas, they do have it also. Um, So they expanded. And it's a social enterprise, yes. Um, It means that their profit is shared with a a community, like helping the community. I'm thinking of if there's just one more commercial one, 
Um, there's a lot of like small tech companies also that's mm-hmm. doing that, like Everledger here in Australia. And that's the thing when it comes to SMEs, when you say which one is doing well or which one is excelling, it is unfortunate that an SME cannot be acknowledged like how the big companies are acknowledged because um, somehow their airtime is not as big as your big one. But I'm sure like each um, country out there, there's one in Germany, I'm sure. There's a lot of like the small businesses. It has a story. It's really creating change. So I think, unfortunately, some of them aren't really uh, widely known. But but yeah. yeah. Do you know this brand called Laughing Man Coffee? Yeah. 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 So so it's a company founded by Hugh Jackman, an Australian. Yeah. So in 2009, the story is he traveled to Ethiopia and he met a young coffee farmer who was really working hard to, you know, support his family. And he got inspired by this story and he launched Laughing Man Coffee in order to provide like a marketplace for farmers in developing countries yeah. like Ethiopia. Um, so yeah. you can see their branding is really, for me, it's really nicely done in terms of aesthetic branding, so to speak. The visual, mm. the aesthetics, uh, they just did an ad that went viral. Of course, it has you, Jackman, so that helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess more than anything, you know, more than the nice website, more than the logo, the success of this is that it runs deeper than, let's just say, the icing to the cake when it comes to branding. You know, it's really their story. You donates 100% of his profit to a foundation that really helps with development projects. Yeah. They have really good product. Their DNA is to bring together coffee enthusiasts and coffee farmers that don't have the, let's say, the opportunities to really sell their products, their produce, in, uh, I mean, yeah. to the world, and also their sustainability efforts. And all these yeah. are considerations for people to choose Laughing Man Coffee over, say, Starbucks or Seattle's Best or Nespresso. Yeah. It's amazing because I think I, I read a, a research that because of COVID-19, there would be more and more social enterprises that's going to be created. So this is, again, an interesting shift in business mindset. We're in the new business owners of the future don't think about too much profit. Mm -hmm. They're more than happy to just have a reasonable profit. And the other money that they get when they succeed is for helping others. So I think it's going to be... If, if that's the future that we're going to face, then we're lucky. I participate in a volunteer here in um, a charity here in Brisbane called Dig In, where we cook food and serve food to the less fortunate. And the first day of my volunteering, it was all younger generation, like maybe like 20s. And then I told my partners then said, our future is bright because we know that in this group now, it's all the younger generation making a change. So I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So, um, and SMEs, most of them are these younger owners who wants to create change. They don't believe in the big corporate um, ladder. I think it's all about doing things um, so much faster and different. So I think it's, it's, it's very inspiring. Yeah. And for my last question, Gilbert, what about your tips for SMEs uh, in order especially to survive and thrive Mm -hmm. amidst the pandemic? I think I'll use marketing and comms as a a tip. I think the challenge for 
especially with the pandemic now, we know that as we come out of COVID-19, it's a different world that we're going to face, right? So it's, uh, I think it's going to be a lie or disservice to our clients to say that it's the same world as before. It's, it's never going to be the same world as before. So I think every employee, especially the management of SMEs, needs to acknowledge that. And there's also a need to... What happens often when it comes to crisis is we stop our activities or we stop our key tentpoles of, of, of strategy. That should be, shouldn't be the case. I think we need to be more actively engaged in creating new strategies with an understanding of what's the world that's going to be presenting to us. So I think we should not stop ourselves from creating a more adventurous strategy because at the end of the day, it's a new, it's a different world now. So we can try everything that, that we can do um, uh, moving forward. So I think, yeah. So don't be too risk averse, really. That's one thing that for, for SMEs. Yeah. Yeah. Great tip. And as we end this conversation, I also just want to share my takeaway. Having, you know, worked with smaller businesses, I have also seen their challenges as they try to survive the pandemic. And I do understand that it could be a challenge to even think about sustainability or branding when you are in a situation that every cent counts, right? But if there is one thing that I have seen working with different businesses, studying brands, having conversations like this, those that would survive are the ones that could see beyond the challenges. Those with a long-term plan in order to build a robust and sustainable business that could really withstand the test of time. And I think setting and working on your sustainability and branding strategies could really play a critical role, right? I mean, we have seen that ourselves with the brands that we have worked on all these years. Agree. And uh, just to add to that, I think moving forward, whoever's listening, like if you're a marketeer, you need to start all of your marketing strategy with a sustainability strategy first in mind. So I think that's the new world of marketing strategies. Think about what's a sustainability strategy first. Yeah. Exactly. On that note, thank you so much, Gilbert. That was such a great thank conversation. You. I learned a lot. Uh, and I wish you luck in everything that you do in Australia. Take care. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye. If you enjoy listening to Brand Over Coffee Conversations, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Please do not forget to share your reviews and help spread the love on social media by tagging hashtag Brand Over Coffee. For questions, comments, and topic suggestions, you may reach me on Instagram at andreaa.ferry. Thank you for listening to Brand Over Coffee Conversations. Music